We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. Happy Monday. It was a playoff weekend. NBA playoffs are here, and man, that was an exciting weekend full of some really great basketball games. A few that were eh, maybe not so great, but also some really, really wonderful games. So a lot for us to break down today. Keith, I know you had a a weekend full of of soccer in addition to NBA basketball. Are you sick of sports at at this point? You spent the weekend either on the soccer field or watching basketball games. It's funny. I now, at this point in life, I need like an hour of something that's not sports which is usually like marvel or star yeah. wars or uh occasionally you know did something ridiculous that my wife and i like like below deck because that's absolute garbage trash tv <laughs> that is just mindless but very entertaining uh but after that yeah i'm ready i'm ready for like another game and you know whatever it's gonna be so yeah it's uh it, it's sports are my favorite thing in the world so it's uh and especially basketball and of that subset especially playoff basketball yes yeah, I mean, we talk about this a lot that there's a difference between there's a difference between summer league and preseason. There's a difference between preseason and in terms of hey, a guy look good in summer league. That doesn't mean they're going to look good in preseason, which doesn't mean a guy's going to look good in the regular season. It's another step up to the playoffs, and you could you could just sense that in all the games, the energy level, the effort, the the focus, the tactical switches, and things that were being that were being flipped. It's such a different level when you get to playoff basketball, and it's a ton of fun to watch because you know everybody's going out there giving it their all. It doesn't always mean you're going to get the best games. We had some that were kind of stinkers, but but we also had some absolutely incredible games where you could tell guys were given everything they had. Um, it, it's a it's a blast. In fact, let's let's just start there. Let's start with. Yeah. Um, we'll go in order here. The one eight matchup, Bucks Heat. Shockingly, I mean, I think you and I both predicted a sweep here. And yet here we are, the Miami Heat are up one nothing on the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo's injury status probably has just a little bit to do with this, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe slight bit bit to, to do in there. And in uh, point of order, I think we both picked five, just just, just to, to give ourselves oh, some cover here. Yeah, I know oh. I picked Bucks and five. Okay. Um, I think. Oh, you did pick Bucks and four. All right. So, right, so, so let's see. But so I lost. <laughs> we both expected it to be pretty much a Milwaukee walkover, but yeah, I mean, Giannis went out pretty early. Uh, he only played about 11 minutes. Uh, didn't have a huge impact. He did. They, they, it's 
they were not playing well even when he went out. Um, you know, the Heat, Heat were playing better. And then the Heat lost Tyler Hero. I am by no means suggesting Giannis and Tyler Hero are, are uh, that, that canceled each other out. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go quite that far. But for whatever reason, Miami seems to have a little bit of something for this Milwaukee team. Um, you know, and it's it. this could be one where Miami just – they played the best they're going to play all series and got this win. Jimmy Butler was awesome. Bam was pretty great. Uh, their role players hit everything. I think, uh, yeah, Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin combined to go 10 of 13 uh, from the floor. Kevin Love had 18 points in a complete throwback performance uh, out of him. So, you know, the Bucks, they, they, they didn't shoot well from deep. They shot well inside, uh, but could not knock down a three, just 11 of 45 from, from the perimeter. So, I, I'm not going to overreact too much to this no. one. I think we're probably just fine with this, but I do think it is. Uh, I don't think it's going to be quite as easy for the Bucks as we thought. All signs point to Giannis being back uh, for game two. It sounds like that's the early word mm-hmm. is uh, he should be ready to play on the Tyler hero side. Not so good. Going to be out for the rest of the season with two broken fingers on his right hand. Mm. Brutal, brutal for the, for the Miami heat and, and case in point. Uh, the Bucks are a nine-point favorite despite Miami's uh, game one win for game two. So most still believe the Bucks are going to win this series, but losing game one was still a, a bit of a surprise nonetheless. Uh, unfortunate news for Tyler Hero, but good to hear that, that um, Giannis will be back in action. Uh, one of the games that didn't end up being all that exciting, Celtics versus Hawks, because it wasn't close. Kind of as we predicted, this was just a, a blood. The Celtics just kind of cruised through the Atlanta Hawks, and the Hawks looked good. Uh, in the play-in, but they're not on the same tier as as Boston, and so that's where I forget what we both predicted. Maybe we predicted four-one or something like that. But I picked Celtics in four. You picked. Let me see. I have it right here. You picked Celtics in five. Okay, so I thought the Hawks would get a game at some point, and maybe they still do. But you don't. You can't have too much optimism after that game one, where it was pretty clear the Hawks are not on that level. Yeah, Boston got whatever they wanted offensively. Uh, Tatum and Brown got to the rim at will. This was not a game where the Celtics took a million three-pointers and just happened to make them all. They, they took 33, which is a pretty low number for them, uh, and they made 13 of them, so they shot well from out there, but they they pretty much got whatever they wanted uh, going to the basket area, and they they really good process uh, for them. They played fast in the first half. Second half, they – they played slow. They get a little sloppy. They Atlanta, took their foot off the gas, right? That's exactly what it yeah. was. It's it's one of those things where there was a moment where it was a little like, wait, are we doing this again? Where it's like, yeah. you're going to blow another huge lead. But they got it back under control. The Hawks never really threatened in the game uh, with that. And then you know, they, they made enough plays. And the Celtics' defense was as good as it's been all year long, really locked in. Uh, on that end of the floor really made it hard on Atlanta to create good looks, never mind uh, good scoring opportunities. So, yeah, hey, this one went about how I expected it to, and I, I, I don't expect much change uh, going forward in the series. Now, the, the Hawks actually won the second half by 17 points, but it didn't matter because the Celtics won the first half by 30. Um, but is there any disappointment in the fact that, that Jason, Jason Tatum still had to play 40 minutes, like the Hawks at least threatened enough in the yeah. second, like there was an opportunity to just shut him down and walk it across the finish line. Right. Yeah. That part's a little frustrating. Now they've got two days off. So yeah. 
or they had two days off. I should say they had uh, Sunday and today as we record this Monday. Uh, they, they had those two days off. So that part I'm not too worried about. And it's a home game, so there wasn't even travel in there uh, in between the, these uh, game one and two of the series. And part of that is because the Bruins uh, opened their uh, Stanley Cup run on Monday night at home. Uh, so that's why that had to get pushed back to Tuesday. So, so yeah, I I don't know. I tend to think it's one of those things where it's it's it, it's not – it's not ideal. You would have rather have been able to fully empty the bench, but I don't think it's going to be an issue. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the 76ers and the Nets. Another game that wasn't all that close in the 76ers. Their offense looked very, very good, particularly when you're getting 21 points on excellent efficiency from Tobias Harris. I mean, three of three from deep. He was fantastic, plus four boards and four assists. You had 26 from Joel Embiid. You had uh, James Harden chips in with 23. I mean, the, the 76ers just kind of did what you would think the 76ers would do, maybe slightly more efficient than you would expect with 48% from deep as a team. I didn't think the Nets played poorly, but it was pretty clear they just they don't have the firepower to keep up with the 76ers, even if the Nets are playing well. You got 30 points out of uh, Mikel Bridges, and – it's, it's not enough. The Nets just, they're again, like the Hawks aren't on the same tier as the Celtics. The Nets are just not on the same tier as the 76ers. Yeah, and, and big challenge in this game was Philly only had eight turnovers for the game, and the Nets had 19. Yep. And why that's huge is the Nets shot 56% from the floor and 45% from three in this one, and it just – couldn't, couldn't get it done. They also couldn't control the glass. Uh, Philly had 14 offensive rebounds, and that's 14 offensive rebounds on a night where they shot 47%. Yeah. So that's not great, right? It's not one of those where, like, for example, to go back to the Boston-Atlanta game, Atlanta had 14 offensive rebounds, but they also missed 60 shots Oof. in the game. <laughs> they got up 98 Nobody shots. houses. Yeah, right? So, so that's one where – Context matters, right? If you shoot forty-eight percent, you rebound fourteen of your own misses. Like you're doing pretty good there. So yeah. I think we're in a spot where, as we look at this one, yeah, Brooklyn can clean up the turnovers a little bit more. They could probably force a couple more out of Philly. I just don't know how much better they can play, and it still wasn't good enough. Yeah, like that's that's I think becomes a real challenge. Is you're certainly not going to probably shoot fifty-six percent from the field again on Philly and 45% from three. So this might be one of those ones you look back in and say, man, we threw it away too many times and missed a real opportunity here to maybe make this a more interesting series that would have been otherwise. You know, I mean, we look at all the math in, in baseball. How many runners do you get on base? And that equates to how many runs you score. And then how does that line up with how many runs your opponent happens to score on that on that given night? And then that determines how many wins you get. And of course, there's going to be some variance in there and everything. And sometimes I, I think basketball is a little bit more difficult to break down into the cold, hard math like that. But you look at it and you say, well, they shot 56% from the field. They shot 45% from three. This should have been their chance to potentially win a game. But this was also the game they turned the ball over 19 times. This also was the game where Tobias Harris went three of three from deep, where the, the 76ers shot 49% now from, from three. And so the math just starts to work against you there. And then you wonder, okay, are the, the stars going to align, as it were, where you get this great shooting performance out of the Nets and you don't get the high turnovers and you don't get the, the good shooting from the 76ers? I don't know if it's going to happen. I think that this was probably their chance to just unfortunately happen to occur on the same night as the turnovers hit them 
as the offensive rebounder for the 76ers hit them as all these other things. And you would expect, again, the 76ers to win this series. But now I got to wonder, does this do we push this more into a likely sweep than what we thought might be a five or maybe six game series? One encouraging thing, because again, if you just look at the counting stats and the box score, you'd see James Harden, 23 points, 13 assists. And I'm not going to suggest he didn't play a good game because he did play a good floor game, but he was only one for eight from two and did not draw a free throw uh, in this one. And that's a little concerning. I think if I'm Philly, because he shot really well from the outside, he was, I think seven of 13 on three pointers. So that's probably not going to be exactly how it goes again uh, in the series for him. He, he has not been a, a, a consistent uh, uh, percentage guy from the outside. Mm-hmm. He's more of a volume player from out there now. So that's just something if you're the Nets, I think you walk away saying, all right, you know, we're a little encouraged. But again, yeah, you shoot 56% and you lose by 20. You're, you're probably like, all right, I don't know how many other answers we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith. I'm I'm looking at this. Last season's playoffs is the last time that James Harden had a game where he did not shoot a free throw, and that was their elimination game against uh, against Miami. All right, wow. So, so it's been all season he he did not have, which you'd expect. He yeah. didn't have a game all season where he didn't shoot a free throw. Yeah, and crazy, was, right? Yeah, and they only crazy. took 16 total, and Embiid got 11 of them. So it was not a high foul game. The Nets only no. had 15 total fouls. But mm-hmm. yeah, Philly, too, it was kind of nice. See, they played a little faster, not super yeah. fast, but a little faster, um, which is you know good to see that they, they kind of had that gear in them. Okay, a game that was fantastic. Cavs yeah. and Knicks. Oh, man. I mean, this was it was back and forth. There were all kinds of different swings in momentum. And at first it looked like the Knicks were going to win. Then here come the Cavs and they're on, on the home court. And then, oh, here's the, the Knicks coming right back. And I mean, just big plays made by both sides. This was a fantastic game. The Knicks going up 1-0 on, on Cleveland. We predicted this would be a pretty close series, but I was not expecting the Knicks to get game one. And I think this game really became a showcase for just how good Jalen Brunson is. He was he was fantastic in this game, just making big plays for the Knicks night in and night out. And this was, I don't know, is this that Knicks team that we saw at, during that, what was that, 8-9, whatever game stretch during the season where they just looked unstoppable? Did they hit that level, you think? Yeah, a little bit differently. This team, it sounds weird to say this, considering Tibbs and what the Knicks have been under him up until this season. They reverted back to they won with their defense, right? They mm-hmm. really locked in defensively and had a really good defensive game plan. This year, that's not really the team they've been. Yeah. They've been a middle-of-the-pack kind of defensive team in a very, very, very good offensive team this season. So kind of completely the opposite of what you expect with Tibbs. But it, it was a point where I think as we looked at this game, it was, I hate to be this reductive about a game, they just made more plays down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Like that's really all it came down to. They they made more plays on both ends of the floor. Josh Hart was awesome. Uh, you know, well, one of the best players on the floor uh, for both teams. And then Donovan Mitchell had a monster game for the Cavs. Mm-hmm. But thirty-eight, it, it felt a little bit like the Utah playoff series, whereas Donovan Mitchell and. A little bit here and a little bit there, but just not enough from the other guys. Um, Evan Mobley was just not four for good. thirteen. Yeesh. Yeah, really struggled. Um, did okay on Randall defensively. Probably, probably 
better than okay to to be fair uh with him but yeah and then the knicks 17 offensive rebounds they're so good there they're so good there but there's no excuse for the Cavs when you play allen and mobley the amount of minutes you do and the amount of minutes those two play together to be this bad on the on the uh defensive backboard like it you should not be this bad of a defensive rebounding team and yeah here we are and i don't i think of all the things that happened in this game that's the thing that i think is probably will carry forward uh the remainder of the series is i think the knicks will get themselves plenty of second chance opportunities so this is one of those games where you know, we look at these high scoring games, you look at some of the shot making that we've seen in some of these series, particularly like you look at Warriors and Kings and, and the scoring that's expected in that one. This is a game where the point total is 101 to 97. But I loved this game. That like th- this, this was so much fun. I don't think, you know, as much as we focus more and more on the NBA in terms of their their rules, they focus more and more on offense. And I understand why. And I think that they they should. This was a reminder that, hey, really good defensive performances can be fun, too. Um, in their in their own way and this game was an absolute blast I, I should note Josh Hart uh, just coming out from the Knicks uh, does have a sprained ankle and his status is up in the air for game two Josh yeah. Hart 17 points on eight of 11 shooting also 10 rebounds including five offensive rebounds that will be a huge loss if he's not able to go for game two yeah and he made I know Mitchell scored 38 points but he made him really work at the end of the game, he was the primary defender on Mitchell. And what they kind of did was they they stuck Brunson on – it was Osman, it was Okoro, it was whoever the third guy was. And then Grimes picked up Garland. Um, Cavs, let's get a little bit more balance. Let's get Darius Garland a few more touches. Yes, I want to say let – me, let me check this to make sure I don't say the wrong thing. But Darius Garland, no field goal attempts in the fourth quarter. That can't happen. Can't happen. Played 12 minutes too. Uh, he, him, Mobley, Allen, and Mitchell all played the entire fourth quarter. Uh, Acora played a minute and a half, and Osmond played ten and a half minutes. So yes, you know, and, and I, I, I don't. This is all right. I'm going to overreact slightly to 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 game one here for a second. <laughs> this is why he, I was so upset when they didn't turn Karis Levert and that contract into something at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. something helpful. Maybe Josh Hart for yourselves, yeah. Right? Maybe you could have got him, but. I just, Levert didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. If he's not going to be on the floor late in games, you didn't need him anymore. You were where you needed to be as a team. Last year, you needed him because you needed to get through after you had all of the injuries and all the other stuff. But yeah, I, that that part, you know, just really kind of jumped out to me more than it had of, you know, I think you kind of, you know, might want to do over there if you could go back and in time and say, let's make a trade with, with Karis LeVert. So let's Agreed. see, maybe he comes out game two and has a big night and that looks silly. But for now, I'm, I'm kind of discouraged a little bit from that, that respect. Yeah. And I think that you're talking about him coming out game two. It reminds me of, of what kind of my mantra is heading into game ones. It's don't overreact to game one. Yeah, you know, in general, like, and I think there's some things that you can look at if it is a continuation of a trend that we've seen over the course of a season. That I think is different than, you know, for example, like Rui Hachimura blew up from the Lakers. Are we assuming that he's going to start scoring 30 <laughs> points tonight? No, right. You can't overreact to to just one game, right? In terms of, especially if you get something that you wouldn't necessarily anticipate happening, but when it's a, a continuation of something that you've seen over the course of the season and a concern, like in this case with Karis Levert that you had at the trade deadline, and then you're getting that kind of confirmation out of the floor that, hey, you probably needed something else. 
then it's, it's worth mentioning that, hey, this is something we need to watch for the rest of the series has the potential to not just be an outlier where the Cavs could just be missing kind of that one piece that they needed to go find at the trade deadline. Yep. All right. Let's jump over to Nuggets versus Wolves. Jump into the Western Conference. I said this was going to go six. That that Minnesota was going to at least be able to bother the Nuggets enough that they can get a couple of wins. My my prediction is not looking good. <laughs> this, this is not looking. <laughs> this you know it, the Wolves hung in there for a little bit, and then it just I mean it just became a a blowout, particularly in the in the second half. Uh, Thirty two to fourteen was the score of the third quarter, and that was essentially the end of the game. So. Yeah, and, and Nuggets were up at, at halftime. Anyway, final score was 109 to 80. 80 points. 80, yeah. 80 by the Wolves. <laughs> and they only turned it over 11 times, which yeah. isn't like, it's not like they turned the ball over 25 times and it was some crazy outlier, you know, performance there. But they shot 37% from the field, 56% from the free throw line, and 31% from three. I'd have to imagine the pace of the game was, was pretty slow too if we looked into that metric. But man, 80 points in an NBA game in 2023, that's crazy. Yeah, I said on Twitter this morning, because I'll be completely honest, one, starting a scheduling a 10.30 p.m. game on a Sunday, what are you doing? Like, that's just the dumbest thing. They could have – you would have probably had to rejigger the schedule a little bit. Might have, maybe it was fortunate. <laughs> yeah, maybe, game right? yeah, exactly, the way it went. But, but more of like – I was out. Like, I fell asleep. I didn't end up watching it all live, which – I didn't miss much, but then I knew I was going to get up. I was going to watch it this morning. And I actually was able to see it without seeing the score. And then I was like, all right, midway through the third quarter, I'm like, what was the score here? What's the final? Because you start to be like, how much more time am I investing in this right. game? And I, so what my biggest takeaway is if the Nuggets really defend like this, they're going to, they're going to the finals because this was the best I've seen them defend in if at the minimum months, if not the entire season, I mean, they were all over the place making plays, whether it was Aaron Gordon, Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, even Murray and Porter Jr. were pretty engaged defensively. This was not just the Wolves missed a million shots. They certainly did miss some, some good looks too, but for the most part, this was the Nuggets defense really impacting this game. And that's, that's where, as I look at it, I'm like, well, we know the offense is going to be there for Denver. If, if they defend like this, it's, they, I mean, they're they're the best team in the West, and you know they'll they'll, they'll come through. But I I have my doubts we're going to see them defend like this for you know another you know two rounds of the playoffs. Never mind, even maybe not even the rest of this first round. Hey Keith, I, I'm just from my quick glance through here, the lowest point total for the Wolves all season was 88. Yeah, 80, and they put up 80. Oh my goodness! I mean that. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. It ended up being fortuitous that this was a late game that a lot of people didn't see because man, it was, <laughs> it was not worth, I mean, look, Denver was, was great. Obviously their defense is cer certainly if they, like you said, if they do that every single night, that's a, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. But um, my I will say the wolves looked a little tired. That's like, they, 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 they looked be. like, yeah. After going through the whole, you know, play in tournament and everything, they looked a little tired. So, so we'll see if that, you know, kind of comes to pass or not. What is their, schedule for that series uh they don't play again until wednesday so it gives them a little bit of time to try oh. to recover uh i'm gonna cut in here for a minute yeah with a uh little cba update 
Oh, this is Tim Bontemps reporting. As part of the new CBA, if a team goes over the second tax apron, their first round pick seven years out is unable to be traded. Okay, we we know that. right? Right. We talked about that. Teams that then exceed the apron twice over the following four years will have that pick dropped to the end of the first round. Whoa. Yeah, that's a pretty like big wow because you're basically saying you go you need to uh you need to build through the draft if you're gonna be that expensive you only have the draft years out yeah and now they're saying you'll that pick will drop if you so you still gotta be well over that second apron you'd have to be over ultimately three times Mm -hmm. to get there but that's interesting at least to know but you think about the life cycle of an NBA team. Sure. Right. And projected, I mean, we talk about if you've got most teams are, are looking at five years out tops. Oh, easy. Right. Like, yeah. like most, uh, like yeah. three is probably more realistic mm-hmm. just because the way roster turnover is in the NBA and everything. So if you're talking about, like, even if you've got a really good team right now and you're saying, well, you know what? If our pick drops to the back of the second round, who cares? We're going to be great anyway. Our pick's going to be the back or back of the first round. I mean, our picks, our, our team's going to be great anyway. So that's probably where the where the the pick's going to be. But seven years, it's impossible to project out that far. It's impossible yeah. to know what what you're going to have. And it's like, look, even if you're the Bucks right now and you've got Giannis, what's Giannis going to be in seven years? Who knows? So yeah. if you say, well, you know what, we've got Giannis, so whatever, let's go for it. Let's go ahead and be and be at this level of, of spending. And the Bucks are probably not the team that's actually going to do this, but. If they say, "Hey, let's just go for it," that you could have a that could be a lottery pick. That suddenly you're trying to build the next iteration of your team. You're trying to rebuild at that point, and you no longer have that pick. I mean, that's instead you get pick thirty or something. Yeah, wow. we love that, that. Is a massive, massive deterrent against spending. We love to name CBA things after players and stuff, right? We have bird rights, the arenas provision, the, the rule. rule. Yeah, they're up like rule. Yeah, oh, that's my new favorite one. Um, but this one <clears throat> feels like we should name this the Warriors and maybe a little bit of Steve Ballmer fear rules or something because yeah. it's really you you need to be the Warriors in a ten year run. Yeah, of what they've been to even come close to triggering this, or you need to be Steve Ballmer who can just literally yeah, under the current rules just continue to take on salary in more and more and more and more and more uh, through whatever means they're allowed to. That's, that's what you've cut off here. Cause the example I give with this where I'm like, yeah, I don't know how often these rules are fully going to come into play. Like the full set of these rules mm-hmm. is two years ago. We all would have thought the nets were in this position for the next four oh, yeah. years. Yeah. And now they're already that whole thing is gone yeah. and done. It's also to your point about how long seven years is when the Nets got a 2029 first round pick in the Kyrie trade. That was one of the reasons we loved it for the Nets because we all know there's no way Kyrie's on the maps. No, then like it just even if everything goes great, he's probably retired by then. And who the heck knows where Luca will be seven years from now? So just having that draft pick sit out there, that might be one of those where. We may all be sitting around seven years from now being like, wait, the Nets have the number two pick in the draft and they're good again because they've rebuilt and they're good. How did they, 
Oh yeah, that was from that stupid Kyrie trade Dallas made. Yeah, you know, back in 2023's trade deadline. Like, just yeah, this stuff is crazy. So, yeah, wow. fun though. Yeah, yeah, little, little little fun little interlude there as we we get into the uh, playoff coverage. Man, and we'll have plenty of time to break down how that's sure. going to impact Absolutely. the agent market and everything else. But but yeah. man, that that's big. That that is big. Yep. Um, all right. Let's talk about Grizzlies Lakers. Yeah. Um, I, I, let me let's just start with this because I think this is uh, incredibly important here. That was awful what we saw with John Morant. Yeah. And, um, and even you know, obviously I'm going to approach it from the Lakers side of things, and that's and and I like I mean I hate what we saw happen there. I hope he's okay, but that injury looked really really bad. Fortunately, the the X rays came back negative, but let we'll see what else is going on in there. He said his pain level is a ten out of ten. Um, yeah. He can't use his hand to do anything right now, and the way his wrist like folded like i'm not surprised um so yeah hopefully everything turns out okay with, with him because that was um you know obviously we got the tyler hero injury Giannis, and then seeing this happen with jaw it's it, it's, it's never what you want to see come postseason time yeah that part of it completely sucked and it really when he went down it wrecked what had been a really fun back and forth game between mm -hmm. the two teams and Desmond Bay and Dylan Brooks combined to go 11 for 31 from the field yeah. in this one. Grizzlies can't win if that happens. Not, you know, especially not without Jaw, but even with Jaw, they're they're gonna struggle to win. Um, yeah, it, we're just waiting and see now, right? So now it's kind of interesting that it had been all the talk leading up was all these extra days off, how much of a benefit it is for the Lakers. Well, now the Grizzlies need it too, right? They 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 would love it if they didn't play game two until Friday. Yeah. this week right like let's just see if we can get job back out there i just i struggle to see how a player who is right-handed ball dominant needs the ball shoots right-handed can play with a messed up you know right hand wrist whatever the case may be for him so i, I really struggle with that yeah as for the game itself i thought this was the way way i put it is the lakers stars were good AD and, and LeBron were good, but the Lakers' role players were awesome. They were Reeves, Russell, and Rui just dominant, right? They, they, yeah. I don't know if I just started the three R's with that one, but <laughs> they were they were great, right? I mean, incredible. Now, just you brought up Rui before, and like we probably won't see this again from him. Mm -hmm. It was so funny on I put on Twitter, and we get it, right? Twitter's a weird weird place, especially in game, and I said. I didn't have Rui Hachimura being the best player on the floor on my bingo card. And a ton of people replied back with, you're an idiot. He's always been this guy. No, he hasn't. He hasn't been a 30-point <laughs> scorer. He shot 30% from three for the Lakers on the season. He's not five from yeah. six from three is not a normal night for him. We can clown on the Wizards a lot, and we do, for making bad decisions. If he was always this guy, they would not have traded him for Kendrick Nunn in a couple second-round picks. No. Like, just stop with this. I, You can fully say, hey, he's been pretty good since he's been with the Lakers, sure. or and he's better fine. when he's surrounded with better. That's fine, but he's not this. Like, it's just you know, nonsense. Because now here's the thing. I'm going to go back. I'm going to find that tweet. And when he goes inevitably one for 12 – from the floor and just has a stinker of a game. I'm going to reply to all those people. So like what happened? I thought that's what he was. Now I thought he was, you know, the best player in the NBA. Now all that foolishness and nonsense aside, what a game from him. 
Absolutely. And this was some of the stuff. Let's go. Guys can watch it. Go all the way back to we did a probably in retrospect an insanely long show on the Rui Hachimura. That's trade. right. We did. <laughs> because it was the first one. If we were like, hey, we have a trade. Let's spend the next four and a half hours breaking it down. <laughs> but we both said this is probably we're going to find out. Right. This is the best opportunity for him. To become whatever he is. And he he really even if he's not this, he was pretty good. D'Angelo Russell played well. Mm-hmm. And then Austin Reeves. I, I I I'm paraphrasing, but I sent you something like Austin Reeves' name is now pronounced like cash register because yeah. <laughs> he just made himself a ton of money at the end of that game. He was he was incredible. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's where you know, like you take a look at and I thought this this too, like if you look at what was going on towards the end of that game. It was close, right? Jaron Jack, like it was close with like three minutes to play. And the Lakers wind up winning 128 to 112, but it was close. And that's where you would expect if you're Memphis, I, I was expecting this too. Okay, ball's going to LeBron. The game's close. Yep. It's going to LeBron or it's going to AD. Let's really defend them. Lo and behold, here's nine points from Austin Reeves, <laughs> right? Like, and the ball's running through him. Like, that was a shock. And I give credit for the to the Lakers. For letting that happen, to not saying, mm-hmm. oh, no, 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 LeBron's, LeBron has to have the ball. He's our guy. Austin had it going, so they said, yeah, let, let's keep doing this. Yep. And Austin's going to take advantage of all the attention being paid to LeBron and to Anthony Davis. And he was absolutely phenomenal. 8 of 13 shooting, 3 of 5 from 3, 23 points, 4 assists in this game. That insane behind-the-back pass from the baseline all the way out to the three-point line that Rui knocked in. Um, it, it was a really impressive performance in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that the Lakers can work on, the Lakers can fix, but sure. in terms of having other guys step up, they were great. And this was this was the fear coming out of Memphis. I did radio in Memphis ahead of, of the game. This was the fear from Grizzlies fans. They've been saying, hey, every game it feels like somebody else's role players go off on us, particularly from three, because they tend to give up these these open looks. And I kept trying to to you know console them and say, look, this is the Lakers tend to not be a great three-point shooting team. So, like, Austin might get it going or something like that. But I could have never predicted five of six from deep for yeah. Rui Hachimura. So, Memphis fans at this point have got to just be, like, beside themselves. I mean, not only does Ja get hurt, but here we go again. Another team's role player, and that's what Rui is. He's a role player. Yeah. Um, going berserk from, from behind the arc against them. And, again, all the credit in the world to Rui because Memphis dared him. That was their game plan, to dare Rui Hachimura to shoot. And he shot and made it. So you give him 100% credit for, for knocking down those shots. But, um, yeah, Grizzlies fans have got to be feeling a little bit like, oh, my gosh, here we go again now. Yeah, for sure. And I thought a couple thoughts on that. One is this was – Austin Reeves was not just knocking down spot-up jumpers off of LeBron oh. creating. He created all those things himself at the end of the game. It was like LeBron was spotting up off of Austin Reeves. Now, I will say this one slightly worrisome thing. Mm-hmm. LeBron didn't look great. He looked pretty groundbound. He had the one massive block where he kind of came out of nowhere. We had three then, blocks. Well, but the one but, where he but like, the one was yeah like, on, on it was Bain, almost like that finals down. block the chase yes. down and pinned it. But then after that, I don't think he jumped for like the next like two minutes. Like he you you could just see at times he's just he's just the foot's bothering him. Yeah. So that's where I do have a little worries of is he going to be able to hold up through you know three and into what the lakers are hoping is a fourth round that part i'm a little worried about um but now back to another positive i thought darvin ham coached a hell of a game 
Yes. I thought he did a really nice job not overreacting to anything. Thought putting Vanderbilt on jaw, which was talked about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. But one then, of the big questions coming in. It, but then when Jaw started kind of the Grizzlies started playing a little bit more five out, spaced it out a little bit more, and Jaw was able to have space, then he switched. And then he started throwing all kinds of different looks at him. Mm-hmm. It went with all different stuff and just kept them enough off balance, which I think is the way the Lakers have to defend it. Because if you show him the same look every single trip, he's going to pick you apart. He's just too good yeah. with that. But I thought he did a nice job managing the play. Right. Russell had it going. So he just stuck with him. He didn't go to Schroeder for quite as long as he has been recently because Russell had it going and he just kind of kind of wrote him. And then, the, you know, whether it was him, LeBron, AD, collection of the three deciding, hey, let's let Austin Reeves kind of run things you know over the last minute or two here like that that was good stuff all around and then last pieces I like and I know this is nothing new for you or any other Lakers person out there man every time AD goes to the ground oh, it's yeah. like, that's it, he's out and now the season's over. like it just that stinger and, at the end of the half Oof. yeah just we, we I, spent you know, 15 minutes there thinking the season's over you yeah know? and you just it's again like you almost feel like it's Got to get the like, like you. It sounds so weird because it's really a must win for Memphis in game two. But I think it's just as big for the Lakers because I think it's important for the Lakers to get these series over as quick as they can. Yeah. They're going to make this long run. You can't mess around and let this become a seven game series when you could have got it over in five or anything like that. So, you know, so we'll see. We both picked the Lakers and nothing changed my mind after seeing yeah. that first one with that that said bane will be a lot better i think sure. in the next game unless he's got to do everything because jaw's not there but yeah and it's not about so much it's about jaw being out but tyus jones is very good but they don't have anything behind tyus jones that yeah. that's now you know where where do we go with this that that starts to become a little bit of an issue and memphis has shown they can still be a dangerous team without jaw so sure. we'll see what game two looks like um yep. but yeah um it was definitely a fun game. A lot of a lot of back and forth yeah. stuff and everything. Oh, yeah, for but sure. uh, you know, hopefully everything's okay with uh, with Jaw, yeah. and then we go from there. Uh, light the beam, uh, Kings Warriors. <laughs> that game. this game. Oh, like we thought this was going to be a great series, a very fun series. We get another installment in this series tonight, and somehow the game wound up being even better. Something yep. like this game was so much fun. Um, it was just a blast. The Sacramento Kings get the win over the Golden State Warriors by three, 126 to 123. Uh, Curry was hitting Curry shots. He had six threes, 30 points. You had De'Aaron Fox goes for 38. What a playoff debut for Fox. I mean, I think the only thing that you can really be disappointed in is I thought Sabonis didn't show how talented he really is with his offensive performance. But Malik Monk, 32 points. How much fun was Malik Monk just with his ability to hit shots and just his whole swagger and demeanor throughout the game. This, I, I hope this series goes seven and not just because the Lakers would get the winner on the other end. I'm just saying, this is just such a fun series. I just want to see more of, of this. It is going to be an absolute yeah. blast throughout. I, I need seven games of this. Like we yeah. all do, right? It's, it was, we said it was going to be an all time crowd and it was even better than that. I mean, they were so loud throughout the entire game. It was, it was insane. Like, I don't even remember like hearing a crowd like that, that wasn't in a finals game uh, for, for a long time. Um, You know, the Kings approach I think was perfect. It was, we're going to play really fast. 
and we are going to run right at you to get downhill to the rim Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again. And I mean, Malik Monk took 14 free throws in the game. Like that's not like, like where the heck did that come? He didn't take 14 free throws in a month. Usually like that was just, you know, incredible stuff out of him. So bonus played really, really well on the boards and really just kind of as a, you know, Hey, I'm going to really help run things here. And they just, you know, great, great game. You know, for them, Curry was pretty good. Clay was pretty good. Uh, Wiggins was better than I think anybody could have expected. I know he Mm -hmm. missed a couple shots late in the game, but he really played pretty well. We'll see Jordan Poole is questionable for tonight's game with a, with a, uh, rolled his left ankle. So we'll see if he can play or not, but yeah, fun, fun, fun game, man. It was, you know, it's just, there's no other way to describe it. I hope people watched on Saturday night and this is one I know I will not have any problems staying up late for tonight here on the East coast. Now, on this one, the Warriors are now a point-and-a-half favorite tonight. They're expected to bounce back here. But, I mean, this is this is one of those series where one team can be up 10, and in a minute the score is tied yep. or it's gone the other way. Like, yep. it, you blink, and, and it completely changes. So this one is going to be a blast. So if you don't feel like watching Nets and 76ers <laughs> in the as the opener, at least stick around for the main event, Warriors and Kings, because this one should be a, a ton of fun. I will just say, I don't know what the Warriors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Can do to slow down De'Aaron Fox because mm-hmm. Clay Thompson's just not that guy anymore. So they're gonna have to gonna have to almost play like the Lakers did with Ja, right? Just throw a ton of different looks at him, try to keep him off balance, build a wall when he tries to drive, and yeah. oh, hope for your best. But I mean, AD had seven blocks for the Lakers, and they don't have an AD on the roster that's gonna you know clean up in the paint like that. So just whew, well, what a you know man. This this was this this was a good one. Now, all that said, I mean it's Steph, right? So he could have fifty yeah. tonight, and the Warriors could roll in a blowout just because it's Steph and the Warriors. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, when he got a little bit of a look for three to, to tie the game, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh man. I'm, 
if you, who who even like gets off a running like one hander and, and you're like, expecting like, it to go in. in. Like, yeah. yeah, he's just, yeah, he's, he, he, he could have shot it from the other end of the court and I'd be like, well, that's going in. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's something, something else, man. All right. Finish things up with the Suns and the Clippers. Another uh, great I, game. <laughs> I, it was another great game. I was saying going in that this is going to be closer than people are giving it credit for. People were having the Suns as this heavy, heavy favorite. Yeah. And yet the Clippers go in and win game one. Again, the, the Suns may very well still win the series, but I mean, you look at the Suns from a box score perspective, and I mean, 27 points from Durant, 26 from Devin Booker, Torrey Craig filled in with 22. He only had seven out of Chris Paul, but 10 assists, 11 rebounds, 18 for Aiton, and then a, not a lot else. And, and again, I don't think you would expect to get 22 from Craig. And then the Clippers, you, this is kind of what you expect to see, right? Kawhi went berserk at 38, and he's been great over the last like month of the season. Uh, Russell Westbrook did not shoot great. But Eric Gordon had 19. You got 12 from Zubats. You got 10 from Man. You got 14 from Powell. Like you just had enough guys chipping away. This is yep. why I said going into the series that it's it boils down to is Devin Booker able to outproduce all the other guys on the Clippers? And, and you can look at the math a little differently if you want to and, and break it down. But I, I think that's where if you look at the depth of the Clippers, I know we talk about depth not mattering as much in the playoffs, but I think in this series it it does matter. And it was a weakness that we saw exploited by by LA in this one. And uh, so I'm not surprised necessarily the Clippers took game one. I do still have the Suns getting the series, but I think it's going to be closer than people were thinking going in. I agree with everything you said there. And I think why the depth matters is it is such an imbalance. Yeah. The Suns, like game one of a series, Monty Williams was searching. I was like, all right, I can't really play Biombo, so I'm gonna go to Landale. All right, I can't, I can't really play, you know, the, these other guys, like, you know, with, with that. Um, their lack of a backup point guard to give them quality play when Chris Paul was out, that ended up being kind of glaring at, at times. Right, Chris Paul finished the game uh, plus six. Their their bench just awful across the board, mm -hmm. right? And I know single game plus minus can be weird, but in this case, it really does kind of tell the story. The Clippers bench came in, outperformed them, and they won. A uh, couple takeaways. No more CP, Aiton, pick and rolls down the stretch of the game while Booker and Durant hang out picking their noses yeah. in the corner. Like, stop with that. That's not, you can't, that can't be, that can't be your late game offense. You have Kevin Durant, maybe the best offensive player in the game today. And then you have Devin Booker, who's probably an all NBA guy. And you're like sitting there running this. Like, I get it. It's Chris Paul and you're trusting him to make, but Durant went like a, almost a five minute stretch under six minutes without getting a quality touch. That's not a shot. That's a quality touch. Yeah. Can't happen. You're not going to win if that that's how that goes down. And I know some Clippers fans are probably, well, that's because Kawhi. It wasn't because Kawhi was on him. They just weren't getting in the ball because Kawhi was spending as much time guarding Devin Booker. Um, Russ, this is – Ryan Rosillo put it perfectly. Have you heard this yet? Uh -uh. He said, no matter what you think of Russ after this game, you're correct. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> that's right. That's true. Right? That's true. Because if you're like, he can't shoot, he sucks, and He's that – well, you're right. He was three if, for 19. But if you're like, this dude did everything else, right? He made, he rebounded, he made, you know, steals. Yeah, that monster, monster block and then throwing it off Devin Booker mm -hmm. late in the game. 
he did everything else you could could possible want a basketball player to do. So guess what? Those people are right too. Like it's it was got into an altercation with a fan. Did yeah. you see that? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Oh Which gosh. one? Why the hell are you making the shortcut to the visiting locker room through a spot where fans are? Yeah, like, that what does make dumb, any sense. Yeah. Fix that, right? Like that just seems like common sense. Or yeah. say, guess what, guys? That shortcut doesn't exist anymore. Like, I don't know. But they I know a bunch of people have said, hey, people have been going through there for years and it's never been a problem. Well, it's the playoffs and you know, but whatever. So I yeah, I just I feel like both teams are really, really good. And it just gonna to me, I'll say it's slightly different than you did. It's what I said in the pre the series preview that we did is it's the Clippers depth against the Suns stars. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's going to be, can the Suns stars outlast, you know, eight, nine guys can their, their four stars outlast. And, and it's got, man, it's got to feel tough to have lost a game where Tory Craig went off like that. Cause yeah. you're, you're not going to get that again, probably the entire series. Never mind, you know, the whole playoffs. So yeah, just, you know, but, but what a game. Plus minus is not a great stat, but in this one, I think it does kind of tell a story. I mean, you look at, yeah. Uh, the the Sun starters, Durant plus four, Torrey yeah. Craig plus 14, Aiton plus 13, plus six for Chris Paul. Devin Booker was the only one. He played 43 minutes, so he played some minutes with yeah. the bench. He's a minus six. All negatives for the Suns bench. Meanwhile, yep. the Clippers, their starters, almost all negative, except for Kawhi was a plus three. He played 42 minutes. Every yeah. other starter was a negative and plus minus for the Clippers. But look at their bench. Plumlee yeah. plus 16. Highland plus 13. Plus 13 for Mann, plus 11 for Powell. The Clippers bench destroyed the Suns bench, and yep. that made the difference in this game. Yep, and that we have a little bit of reporting now that we probably won't see Paul George, uh, you know, at all in, in this series. So that's you know, let's let's see if that that holds. But they've got the depth to to hang in there, right? And if you know, yeah, I'll tell you what, they win game two. I'm going to go right back to like, why didn't I just stick with my preseason pick, like and pick them to go to the finals? Like I should have should have just lived with it. But but I, this is going to go seven. I feel I feel like of all the series, this one just feels like it's going to be seven, and you know, probably seven good ones. Uh, we do have some more CBA yeah. stuff that just came through here yeah. uh, from Shams. Non-taxpayer MLE increases to uh, from ten point five million to twelve point two million. Yep. Uh, the so let me talk about that real briefly. Yeah. So and you, and we'll cover what the room is also going to go up uh, quite a bit too. Yeah. Did what's happening with this is they are raising these now. And then they're going to raise by whatever the cap raises on top of that is my understanding. So it is a bump now. Then if the cap goes up 3%, you'll go up again. It's kind of like where, you know, if, if sometimes jobs will do this, they'll be like, all right, Hey, so everybody gets the standard, you know, 3% increase bump at the end of the fiscal year for the company. But what Mm -hmm. we're going to do is we're going to give you a 5% raise now. So then you'll get the 3% on top. Of that, um, you know, I know that's sometimes a play that that companies will use. That's kind of what happened here. So it's going to get a raise, and then it should also go up slightly based on whatever the cap rises. So right. just again, they're trying to level the playing field, right? We already talked about penalties on the the, the above teams. The, this now is like you're trying to make the taxpayer or non-taxpayer MLE a real you know functional weapon here. You know, you're talking twelve point two million, and then if it goes up again, you're probably talking. 13 ish million. That's, that's a, that, that's nothing to sneeze at, right? That's a real, real, yeah. real nice contract. Absolutely. Uh, the broom mid-level 
increasing to 7.6 million. So that's another weapon for teams that have cap space going into the season. So once you use all your cap space, you can still have a little bit of spending power, which can be enough. You know, if you're a cap space team and you go and you spend on a couple of big free agents, and then now you still have a little bit extra to go add that kind of final piece, which is, which is really nice. Can be three years in length. Those Mm -hmm. can only be two years uh, right now. So adding it three years, that kind of makes it almost like, uh, all right, I'm a veteran guy who, you know, He's not worth the full ta- the full non-tax MLE, but you would like to have him around for a while. That could be something to come into. So, for example, let's just play fantasy GMing here for a minute. Houston, $54 million in cap space projected. Let's say they do go the James Harden route. Let's mm-hmm. say they give Harden you know, $47 million or whatever it is for in the max contract. Now you've got $7 million in cap space still to play with, and you've got another $7 million after that. So that's going to give you an opportunity to really kind of go out and get two players as yep. you try to reset and lift if that's directionally go. But, I mean, we could do that with any number of teams, right? Oklahoma City, $30 million in space, and then an extra $7 million to spend on top. Just, you know, we're, again, trying to level that playing field. They're trying to push everybody towards the middle. Now, the we talked about the Rob Polinka rule earlier. The new second-round pick exception – three to four contracts or three to four year contracts up to the minimum salary. Now, Keith, th- this part is confusing to me for third year player. What does yeah, that mean? So, I, so this is, I think when we get into this and th- this tells me to all this stuff, these kind of drips coming out was, Hey, we're going to hold this over the weekend. Let's showcase the playoffs as they should. Yeah. Right. Cause the most important thing should always be the games on the floor. But all right, it's Monday morning. Let's get back into this. I think we're getting real close to the CBA or the term sheet in full coming, coming out. out. We'll have all the details. So what I think when we really get into this, what this will mean is this exception will start at the salary for a third year minimum play. Instead of starting at the league minimum wow. of right around a million dollars, it'll probably start at about 1.3 or so um, for a third year player. Got so that, that's what I think. And then you'll be able to go. So the, the, the Palenka exception will be in full effect here. Got it. So you have to, if you want to give the guy three to four years, you have to pay him a little bit yep. more per year. It's that, a, that makes yeah. sense. I saw and you don't have to dip into these are all rookies. This doesn't make sense. Okay. And that's it. And now what they're trying to, cause this is, I think what this is, is, Hey, let's, let's reflect what really happens here anyway. Cause that's generally what happens is they'll go up to around the third year minimum for a player. They'll give them that bump when first year, sometimes second year salary in exchange for non-guaranteed or option years at the end. What they're trying to do is say, rather than that coming out of your non-taxpayer mid-level or your taxpayer mid-level, that's a slightly different because that one can't be quite as long, mm-hmm. or you, you're conserving, again, Rockets, Thunder, Magic, these cap space teams, you're going to use a chunk of your cap space, sign a second pick. Let's make you just able to do that and still leave all that money out there for all these other guys, right? So now Malik Monk, for example, the Kings last year when they signed him, they left enough out of their um, non-taxpayer MLE because they were going to try to bring over, go all the way back, uh, Alexander Vezenkov. They were going to try to bring him over this year. He decided to stay in Europe. So now they don't have to do that because you'll just be able to do that without dipping into the exception. So this is a really nice change and it allows guys to get a little bit more money on the other side. Keith, if uh, whoever the Lakers get in the second round this year, whoever they pick up undrafted, if Rob Palenka <laughs> does not do this, we'll lose our minds. Yeah, yeah. At that point, I you know I, I don't know if his office is in uh, 
whatever the staple center is called now or wherever it, he has a, an office, but somebody should be throwing, you know, I was going to say rocks, but probably bags of excrement at the window or something <laughs> of, his, of his office to be like, what are you doing? You know, cause that, or, or demand from him as a media, we should demand like, all right. So they won't so let why? you sign guys, right? Like that's what this is. Like, please, for the love of God, tell us why, <laughs> why, why do you keep doing this? Um, Okay. <laughs> well, I think I think there's a couple covered... more things on here with the 65 oh, no, game one... minimum stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But I, I don't, I don't really fully know how to fully understand what this says. So we'll we'll get into it. But basically, it's 65 games and less and less and less and less and less. And right. Kind of go from there. They're trying to prevent so 65 games in order to qualify for the various awards around the league, which can matter in terms of your salary, of course. But they're trying to create a little bit of leeway so you don't wind up with a circumstance where, where, well, this guy got 64 games, but this happened and this happened and this happened and this isn't his fault. And why is he being punished? And then you get that kind of so they're trying to create the ability to say, well, yeah, he hit 64 games or whatever. But we're gonna get. But because we've got these rules in place, we're allowed to still go ahead and, and make him qualify yeah. for the awards. That's what they're. Yeah, you're exactly right. They're trying to make sure of. Hey, we can still rest guys, but if a guy rolls an ankle and misses, like, okay, we want to make sure we're taking care of these guys with also not turning it into a farce of, hey, limp out there, commit a foul eight seconds yes. of the game and come out because that just looks, you know, bad for everybody all around. So yeah, you know, I well, you know, I still. I'm still kind of sitting on, I really want to see the full like, like thing before I yeah. get too deep into all this. But yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of kind of, you know, interesting things here. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But in any event, we covered a lot today. There's yeah. more playoff basketball tonight. we got a couple more games, including uh, the Kings and the Warriors uh, round two or game two. So we'll see what game that looks two, yeah. like. And oh, then, round two, uh, not yet. Come on, man. No, Don't I know. I'm thinking, you know, boxing match round two. You know, here we go oh, again. Oh, like got that. it, got it. Okay, that's, All right. that's like where that. my brain went, and you know, right. but I was thinking, oh, look, the Lakers guys already count the Lakers into the next no, round. No, this is not. I the, get the, it. You're you're only round. used to success in the play-in tournament in recent years, so you think winning one game advances you. It's that's okay. right. That's, that's exactly what it, I'm like. Play-in tournament, <laughs> you get through it, you move on. No. um, this was uh, this was a really fun weekend. So hopefully we get more fun basketball tonight. We'll see what happens with with Nets and 76ers. I'm gonna keep an eye on that. I just think the subplot of of Bridges with the whole 76ers organization. Yeah. Imagine how good they would be with him. I know. You know. Yeah. But in, did you see his his interview? Too, uh, where he's like, I was. He's like, I had to leave my own draft party because oh so yeah. Mad. When yeah, I found out they traded him. When if people don't remember, his mom and worked for the team. I don't know if she still does. I don't think she does. He's like, yeah, and he was a Philly kid too because he went to Villanova. So yeah, that was a uh, not, not not great. <laughs> Philly kid. Yeah. His mom works for the team. They draft him. It's yay, let's celebrate. He gets to stay home yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And then and trade him. oh wait, we traded you. And then it yeah. turns out he's really good, and they should have yeah. totally kept him. But they traded him for a guy who was not mm. very good and is now out of the league. Yep. So. But I guess probably better for everybody because they'd be pretty awesome if they had Mikhail Bridges. So yeah, they, so they certainly would. Certainly <laughs> would. All right, everybody. We're going to wrap things up there. Again, do not keep us as the best kept secret around the NBA world. Make sure that you do let people know. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And don't forget to follow us over on Apple Podcasts. Till next time. See you and stay safe. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. 
Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.